So when I'm talking programming, I'm talking, you know, yes, physical aspects and physical components. Um, how do we talk, like talk to the client? Like psychology is the biggest one, mm-hmm. you know, physical is the, the lowest tier. Um, and then working with them where they're at and how we kind of build them through to where they need to get to. to the Bodies Built Better podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Tan. I'm so grateful that you're joining me today. This show is all about human performance and everything that that could possibly mean. So we look at the physical side of it. We look at the mental, emotional, spiritual, and everything in between because I truly believe that everything that impacts the human experience will impact our performance. So we want to look at everything that will help you improve your experience, performance, and we want you to discover your extraordinary potential because we know you have it in you. And on today's episode, I welcome back my good friend, Josh Smith. We are talking about programming today. And I know what you might be thinking because it was the same thing that Josh was thinking was, well, that's boring. But let me tell you something, when you program effectively, and when I'm talking about programming, talking about your training program, you can achieve incredible results. And the reason I say that is because only recently I found out that Josh had worked with one of his clients who had basically ruptured an ACL, torn the ACL didn't have surgery, helped her with her training, and she's now in powerlifting competitions and the ACL is still detached. Now, (laughs) I don't know the degree of it, but in general, I mean, that sounds pretty unbelievably sensational to me. And if there is a way that I can be programmed or my training can be programmed that is going to get the most out of myself, even if I have, whether it is an injury or discrepancy or whatever it is, I want that program. So I find it so fascinating that you can absolutely still achieve greatness, no matter if there's an injury, no matter if there is something that's not quite attached (laughs) to bone so it's super interesting we dive deep into josh's programming methods his thought process behind it and how you can look at yours as well so without further ado let's dive straight into this one programming with josh smith i want to talk about programming because i think well firstly there have been a few athletes now that um I think I've seen who are your clients okay. where they have uh, injured themselves and more, more specifically like ACL mm-hmm. tears or like off the bone. I like call it a sustained ligament injury. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they've got that. Yeah. And <laughs> they're continuing their training. Mm-hmm. And there was a story, and I feel bad because I don't remember her name. She was she was a powerlifter. Yana. Yana, and she won, like, was it a state? Top five in Canberra now. And her ACL is? Gone. 
MCL gone. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your program and how on earth you are helping people, you know, get through these injuries and still show up and achieve these amazing results. I want to, I want to clarify that the injuries Please. weren't, weren't causing the gym. Let's <laughs> okay, exactly. clarify that. I didn't do that. Things happen and it hasn't been caused in the gym. But no, so going back to that, so from a um, yarn, for example, I talked about Yana. So Yana started training with me, I reckon, in 2011. And she's um the partner of a mate of mine who was at soccer and so i played on the same like football team with him and at she would come out to watch games and so yana's like a four foot zero um vietnamese girl and she would come out and i'm not four foot six right and i'm very loud (laughs) double that (laughs) and so when i'm at the soccer pitch i'm like rowdy getting around it you know whatever anyway jake says to her for some of her training stuff, you gotta go see Josh. And she's like, that bloke's scary ass. And I was like, to be fair, fair, I get it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. Anyway, so then she started training. She ended up coming to see me and we're having a chat. And she's like, oh, I'll try it, come training wise. And so we started training. And she was like, she's super um invested in women's empowerment, women in science and tech. So she's a um Basically, she's a scientist now, got a PhD. She's, I think she's working for the UN. I think it's the UN. Super fancy. Can't talk about too much. Um, but yeah, so at that time she was studying. And so she must have been in her master's. And anyway, I trained her through um, just from like strength perspective. Then we started doing some powerlifting. Then we started doing some like Olympic lifts. And <clears throat> like she loved it and trained me two or three times a week for years. Anyway, she got the offer to go to Italy for an exchange for six months um, as part of her research. And so this must have been as she was starting a PhD, I think it was. Um, and so she's like, I'm on this exchange to Rome. Like, can you write me programs? I was like, absolutely. So she was doing stuff over in Rome, sent me photos of all the pastas she was having and all this kind of training she was doing when it was awesome. And then I get a message. So it's gone through, I think it was six months and she was on her way back. Um, and she's like, I'll see you next week, like super keen, no dramas. And then it must have been four or five days later, I get a text from her saying, we need to change the training up. I'm in hospital. I've just been airlifted to hospital. <laughs> I was like, where, why, what's happened? What's going on? Um, she decided that on the way back, she was going to spend two days in the Alps before coming to Australia. And as she went, you as you do, right? And she ended up going skiing and completely shattered her knee skiing so basically she was going i can't remember exactly what happened whether she had to avoid a tree or there was something that had happened she tripped and flipped or something but basically the boot stayed where it was and her leg kept going and just tore everything um and so what the the injury was was the trifecta right so it was like acl (laughs) gone um, severed uh, MCL and the lateral meniscus, right? Everything was just kaput. I believe it was, there was, I don't know if there was PCL stuff as well, but it was like the most significant knee injury that I had seen at that time. And so <clears throat> she had gone to the hospital that's the same there. Then they'd flown her back here. She had a brace on, which came back. We basically went through the options and this is 2009, right? So we're talking 14 years ago. Or uh, so hers was, like I said, 2011, it must have been 12 or 13, so maybe 10 years ago. And at the time it was like, 
only the beginnings of conservative management, meaning no surgery. Um, and so she'd gone to see a surgeon. <clears throat> he was like, we've got to get you in surgery. She didn't have private health. So she was like, well, what are the options without paying out of my nose for it? And he said, well, pay out your nose or you can um, get on private health and then it'll be a year, but I don't recommend that, blah, blah, blah. Throughout the process, she's then gone to see a physio who was associated with a rock climbing gym. She's a rock climber as well. Um, that was like, there's this thing about conservative management. We can see if we can work through it. You know, your coach and trainer sounds really good. Like if we work together, we can get through it. And I was like, sounds like a challenge. This is fantastic. And um, she's a woman in science. So she's like, test me. Let's do this. Yeah. Right. So we then went through process of she's see the physio. Um, get assessed and test and for stability and strength and this kind of stuff. And we adapt the training for that. Um, and then over the course of the next 12 months, by the time I got to her checkup, um, what was it? She went to see, it must've been a nine month after the checkup. The surgeon has said to her, and I've, I'm pretty sure I've got a screenshot and text someone. The surgeon has said to her, which knee was it? And then he said to her, oh, she said, this one. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, um, let me book you in for surgery. And she's like, I don't need it. You couldn't even tell which knee it was. It was what? super crazy. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> that to me was like, awesome. We can look at a few different, there's a few different things in that itself. Um, you know, if you can't tell which knee it is, there's no need for surgery, number one. Um, but also at the time, we're kind of like working through this stuff. And so she basically has got, hasn't had surgery she's been 10 years she's still climbing and she when she moved to canberra for work she took up powerlifting uh, or ollie lifting over there um with a with a coach over there and she's absolutely nailed it and she's now i believe it's top five in canberra for um her snatches and her cleans and stuff it's phenomenal and throughout that process there's a really interesting learning phase for me on on how we go about the programming and the training um and what's required and learning about you know what actually happens at the knee or what happens around the knee to stabilize and then from that from the physical aspect kind of what i alluded to before right from the physical aspect you also got to have good strength in the structures so you've got to have good nutrition and then you've got to have good recovery so you have good sleep then you've got to minimize um your like stress level so you can actually all these things like fall into place so um from that perspective is how i started to formulate how we go about managing injuries and acute injuries and things like that like you know acls or you know back pain or concussions or whatever there's a there's a process that i take and it's not just about programming itself <laughs> there's a lot more to it yeah. so when i'm talking programming i'm talking you know, yes physical aspects and physical components um how do we talk like talk to the client like psychology is the biggest one you know physical is the, the lowest tier um and then working with them where they're at and how we kind of build them through to where they need to get to you know it's um yeah so yana was fantastic mm. <laughs> so that was cool yeah we'll mm. dive deeper into that mm -hmm. Because it's important. <laughs> um, but uh, the psychology side of things yeah. is huge. And I um, experienced this, I mean, not to that degree whatsoever, but still, I mean, it just goes to show how much the mind can really play mm -hmm. on you. Um, where I injured my neck um, a little while ago, and that took about probably, probably 10 days to recover fully, mm -hmm. so back into it. But even, but I was probably back within seven days at mm -hmm. the gym. 
But even then, like, you're so, you just wrap yourself in cotton wool and mm-hmm. are just worried about every move you make. And, and you know, when I went to see um, my physio, Patrick, legend, he basically said, you know, keep moving. That's that's the most important mm-hmm. thing. And that for me was a big game changer because, you know, when you're injured and there's pain, you just want to do nothing and you want to protect it as much as possible. But actually that's going to make, mm, I won't say make it worse, but it's going to make the healing process a whole lot longer and way more annoying. Way more annoying. So <laughs> that for me, that shit was really huge and beneficial. And I think that's why I recovered quickly. I mean, I remember, you know, going into work and he's saying, oh, how's the neck? I'm like, yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) So it just goes to show, yeah, if you've got the right mindset, moving through rehab or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, is going to be way easier. So coming back to that story, So I really want to break down firstly the knee injury itself. (laughs) Yeah. But before we do, I think it's important to understand your programming Mm -hmm. as a whole approach. Mm -hmm. So can we break that down first? Can you be more specific? (laughs) Well, you've mentioned, you know, the whole it's their psychology, the physical Mm -hmm. is the bottom rung. Mm -hmm. So what's the top rung? How do you start there and how do you get buy-in with your client? Hearing them, hearing what they're feeling and hearing how they think about what's happened to them, first and foremost. So for me, it's about cool injury, whatever it's going to be. I want to understand how they're responding to what's happened. Are they responding by wanting to protect it? Are they responding by wanting to like overcompensate? Like, let's get into it like right away. Um, are they responding by going into, are they going to fear or are they going into like, you know, some type of anxiety? Um, what's that look like? And so first of all, it's a conversation with me. You know, that starts the, the programming in my brain. It's like, okay, where are they at? You know, hearing that first and foremost. And then, understanding that where they're at um like deeply not just going oh yeah i hear you're anxious about let's get moving again (laughs) right actually understanding and then thinking about what approach you might take with that person from a uh, psychological perspective from for me it's like the words that i use where i position my body when i'm talking to them like before i've even committed to this is the exercise we're going to do it's like okay well how am i going to get them through the exercise you know, where do I need to be positioning myself or what kind of response they need from me? What do they need to see from me to make sure they feel comfortable doing that? You know, and how can I, you know, build that trust with them? If they're just coming in, like I had this injury, I heard you're good, come help me with it. Um, how do I build that? It's like that first and foremost step. Generally, if it's someone that I've been working with, there's already that trust there. They're already mm-hmm. able to communicate um, what they're feeling. <clears throat> That's the first step understanding it is the, is the second one cool i understand this is this is what's going on so then i can go if someone's in a fear state i'm not going to try and feed into that more i'm not going to try and put pressure on them i'm going to try and reduce that fear through like a whole bunch of different things um different tactics that we use um and then acknowledging that as well and, and acknowledging that this is shitty but also you're coming to me because you want my professional opinion and you want my help we can then action it 
and providing them and having a discussion with them, but providing them what I see as the outcome. You know, I've seen Yana completely like dangling from the, the knee, right? So I know what we can get to. I know what that can be provided we're in a position where we can work together with that. You know, if they're super fearful or they're super cautious or they're super anxious, we're working a different way. You know, we set little milestones or we said, oh, guys, okay, the first step is getting you to do this again. Here's why we want to do that. Um, and explaining that, what that process is going to look like. Generally now I'm able to explain to them and communicate to them what they're feeling before they even feel it, you know, or what they might've been thinking and what they might be feeling before even communicating it because I've had that experience and, and I've had those conversations with like hundreds of people. So, um, so that, and that automatically, as soon as someone can feel heard and understood and they're in a safe space that they're trusting in, then they're more likely to actually go like, Oh, cool. I can actually do some stuff. I feel comfortable putting my trust and faith in this person or this gym or, um, this setting, right. Your physio, like Patrick says to you, go move you're like oh okay cool and I, I can move again yeah it's empowering that person yeah it's it's ensuring that you um continue to empower them because a lot of people don't and a lot of people in their circles won't empower them they will they will cotton wool them and they'll feed into that you know oh my god you rest oh my god you gotta have some muscle don't yeah. do much don't do that did that hurt don't do that. Don't do oh stop yeah. you know and that's an anxiety yeah. thing right so it's minimizing that and then on that note it's also helping them um with those tools to work through that i think we talked about it in one of the last ones about the way through conflict is communication you know and so if you are in a setting where someone's like oh my god oh oh my god that's so sad how are you feeling you know i'm feeling really good thanks what i need from you is your support you know, help me through this. And then you can, then you can start to think about, okay, what's the the actual program going to look like? What do I want? When I say programming, what do I actually want you doing? You know, um, where are you at now? Um, what is your, what are your pain tolerance? Or what is your pain tolerance? What is your pain at? Um, what's your movement capabilities? What's your range of motion? What's your strength like? You know, where do you feel things? Where do you not feel things? And then go through kind of like a systematic process of, are they feeling it front and back or are they feeling it when they move to the side or are they feeling in rotation? Which things can we do? Because the way I want to work through things from that perspective is getting them to do as much as they can up to and into discomfort, but not pain, you know? And when you're thinking about, or when I'm thinking about a, a physical injury, I'm thinking about, okay, cool. Well, there's, there's a range of movement that the, that the joint or the body can do now the initial ranges when starting the movement might be fine. The end ranges might be fine, but they might experience the pain in the middle. So how do we make sure we actually get moving through this part? And then how do we get them through moving through this part, like the beginning and the end? And then how do we assist them to like join those ends together over time? And so then all of a, like all of a sudden, then over time, their range at the beginning gets greater, the range at the end gets greater, and then everything kind of meets up and they have no issues anymore. You kind of iron it out. There's a bit there. <laughs> What I find interesting, firstly, you said, you know, when they're communicating with the people around them, it's like, mm -hmm. I need your support. Mm -hmm. It's really, I think, important to clarify what that support looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what I need from you. Yes. And this is what it sounds like. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. Um, the other thing you mentioned, let's go to discomfort. I think mm -hmm. it's such an interesting thing. It, and it requires a level of body awareness as well to mm -hmm. understand the difference between discomfort mm -hmm. and pain. Yeah. 
and that fine line between, you know, mentally going, this is uncomfortable, I'm still safe, mm-hmm. or this is pain and this is going yeah. to be in this territory. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And I, I would love to know how you deal with that with mm-hmm. clients. And it just came to me now. The other thing was the clients who go, who generally, generally speaking, they're athletes because they need to get back out doing the thing they need to be doing. They're like, right, let's do it. I'll do it. anything you say. I need to do it right now. Every yeah. day. Do you know what I mean? So how to deal, how you deal with those mm-hmm. clients as well when they're just like, <laughs> do me right now. I need yeah, to yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. The um the discomfort one's simple. Uh, for me it's simple. The way I explain it for you, it's simple. for me. It's, it's, no, 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 it's for me. It's it's simple to explain it, and the way I explain it simply, and that I found has got the best response is that discomfort you can still move through voluntarily. Pain, your body will shut you down. Right, you know pain because your body will be like I'm not going there, and yeah. something will happen that is outside your normal range of motion or your normal movement. You know, like if you touch a hot stove, you will involuntarily pull away, yeah. right? That's pain. But if it's a warm stove, you can put your hand on it until you're ready to move through. Oh, that's discomfort. I'm taking that away now. You know, yeah. it's conscious versus unconscious. So pain is you've done, you, you react involuntarily. Discomfort is you can still move through it. So is there anything to say <laughs> about the person who goes, that stove is really hot. Let's just take that piece of food that flipped off. <laughs> Oh, I mean, shit, if they right if if they get if they get the food, <laughs> depends how long they're holding oh, it on there for, you know. Every time, I don't know why I haven't learned that lesson. Adam's like, you burnt yourself again. Mm. It's a challenge. I saw a challenge exactly. in front of me, right? I saw the challenge in my body. I, I accept. I, I accept it, and I felt the pain. I don't know. Next time, it has to be warmer. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So no. So that's that's pain v discomfort. Cool. Um, the second thing being, how do I slow people down is more so about communicating the need and the why I need them to slow down rather than um, kind of like just holding them back on shit and giving them things that are, you know, below their threshold. Right. So if I've got someone, <laughs> I got a few <laughs> who are like done this, want to get back to doing stuff. Right. I'm like what I look at is cool. We need you to get back to doing stuff as quick as possible means we've got to basically um, close that gap between beginning and the end range of motion or whatever the injury is as quick as possible. In order to do that, you need to understand the body has to go through a healing process. Here's how quick muscles heal. Here's how quick ligaments can heal. Here's how this happens, blah, 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 um, and provide them that understanding. And so they know that, cool, this is what we're going to be doing for this joint, this injury, whatever it may be but I can still push you in other ways. And that's where you're going to get it. So they're still going to get the challenge because what they want is the challenge to get back to where they're at, right? Awesome. You got a knee injury, for example. We can still do the assault bike, just upper body only. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Get them on there. And you realize this is actually really bloody hard. You know, so that becomes a new challenge whilst they're healing elsewhere. And then when they feel like, you know, they might be able to put some movement onto it or put some load onto it, then we can start going, cool. Now your challenge is, you know, challenge yourself here with this other stuff. Um, but now it is, how do we get load into that? You know, because you're an athlete or because you respond quickly to the physical training, because you've had history in it, it's going to happen quicker, but we've got to make sure that we're doing it in the right ways because you're going to experience pain quicker if you overload than if you underload, you know? So I got to find that 
that middle range, which is like, it's enough for you, but also it's enough for your body. That is so sensational. And you're giving people <laughs> something tangible to work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, people love numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. <laughs> but if you, if you were to tell me that this is the amount of days mm-hmm. generally it takes for muscles to heal or ligaments or whatever you've done, I go, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. There's an end point where you would think then, okay, I should be starting something by yeah. that date. Yeah. Or... I should be feeling something different. Yes. Or, yeah. You know, be able to move differently. It's very much a criteria, mm-hmm. you know, like it's very much a, here's a general number of days or weeks or yes. whatever it may be. And then by that time, we should be able to see this. And then we shift that focus. This is what we're focusing on the criteria, mm-hmm. which is you should be able to squat again or should be able to move again through that range, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, so they kind of get, in, they can marry those two up. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So yeah, this is fun. It's that's more challenging than trying to push someone forwards. Yeah. If someone's super hesitant to, to move through things, um, rather than by them trying to be overzealous, it's harder to slow down the one who's overzealous and to try and actually get them looking after themselves than it is to like work through and, and make someone move at a threshold that is appropriate for where they're at, you know, if they need yeah. to be pushed a bit more. Hmm. What do you do with that person? Because I, you know, there are a few people that come to mind who experienced an injury and have been really fearful of um moving through it and mm-hmm. i know you, you just explained your protocols and stuff but um what does that conversation really look like how do you nurture that process with them because mm-hmm. that's the state that they kind of are always in or that's mm-hmm. the approach could you say approach but that, yeah. that they take when dealing with if they're like fearful or anxious is understanding why i think um well not i think i know it's understanding why and ensuring that the space that you create for them is safe like at the end of the day we've got three main needs right primal needs safety sustenance sex right so take it back to the beginning if we can make sure that they have a, a safe space to come to whether that's the gym whether that's their own gym whether it's their their training place at home whatever that may be um if we can ensure that that is a safe space them they can go into they can feel comfortable they can relax they can work at their at their pace and they can also be encouraged to work a little bit more um that's how i would start that conversation so what is a safe space for them and that feeds into a whole bunch of other different conversations or or avenues on conversation where you get to know a bit more about the person themselves and their lifestyle you know is their work super stressful is their home life super stressful? Do they have things that they're anxious about in general? Do they have money worries? Do they have lifestyle worries? Like all these kinds of things feed into that as well because you're not just working with the injury, you're working with the person. And the person's a product of everything that happens around them. So you have to kind of understand, you have to understand what's happening around them so you know where you can actually seek um, outcome and where you actually have to kind of be like, well, I'm not going to push you on these things, you know? if money's a stretch, you're not going to be like, pay me up front for all my work. You know what I mean? You're going to kind of work in a way that is manageable for that. So it's not a stress, you know, um, and that's obviously freedoms that you have with running the business and whatever, but, you know, understanding that person's whole encompassing lifestyle allows you to help work through the injury itself. Amazing. And that's, yeah, so fantastic. Cause you're really taking in that holistic approach, which, 
Um, I feel like I have to mention though, like you know, if you're injured right now, please see a professional. Yes. Yeah. How you go about yeah. moving forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because we're like, move, it's good. Yes. For you. That's that's like yeah. see. Seek someone you <laughs> that can actually guide you. Okay, <laughs> that is trained in the physical arts. Yeah. <laughs> Great, great disclaimer. <laughs> we can move forward. I'd love to know, because I'm a bit of a obviously anatomy nerd. Mm-hmm. How do you go about the knee? You've you've mentioned before with Yana, you know, you've got to understand how the knee works, everything mm-hmm. in around it. Mm-hmm. How do you go about rehabbing? Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very loaded question. It's a very complex question. Um, simply, simply, I go to hinge joint that is sandwiched in between a ball and soccer and a horseshoe, right? So you got your hip and you got your ankle and the knee just kind of goes forwards and backwards in that motion. Um and those two are the ones that you need to really worry about because that's where dysfunction is going to occur first. Dysfunction is not going to occur at the knee if there's an injury to the knee um, because what the body will do subconsciously is protect the knee. So it will minimize range of motion or minimize the strength of load going through that and present elsewhere. And so the way I work with the knee is I don't work with the knee. I look at the ankle or the hip yeah. um, and what's happening there uh, and then work through that, um, through those areas, whichever may may present as the problem child to start with and then um from that it's like cool once we fix that that dysfunction or what that um movement conversation may be then we can start working through the knee you know then we can start working through range of motion so you know first was range of motion get that back or decrease the inflammation to get range of motion and then it's like strength there's some normal sort of programming strength and then power um the way i think about any kind of human movement is three planes of motion you know, so we're looking at doing things front and back, like forwards and backwards, side to side and in rotation, you know, so ideally the knee doesn't rotate or over rotate because it's a hinge joint, um, but you still need like frontal plane and, and rotational stability, but that also comes from ankle and hip. Mm-hmm. So if you can build them in there, generally you can actually build it into the knee. And like I said before, with like the beginning of movement, the injury, and then the end of movement injury is the same thing in that, in that sequence. For me, it's like the beginning is the ankle force displacement or um or absorption and then you've also got the hip at the other end so the knee just sits in the middle there so if we can work through these and make sure these are good whilst also looking at range of motion active and passive at the knee itself we can actually build that strength back together sensational you're welcome um i would love to know when and i don't know if this is your domain but when do you start programming the sports specific stuff so we go mm-hmm. this is rehab this is about strength and flexibility get that first at what point do you go right now we're good to go for sport mm-hmm. specific there is no point so we we work with physio right so as part of martel's performance group we've got the physio and we've got asnc coaches and performance coaches and we work together and when i say there is no point is that what we're seeking to do is eliminate the word rehabilitation from helping an injury because at the end of the day if you say to someone you're in a rehab phase they think they're in a rehab phase and they only focus on that injury 
we want you to focus on your movement. We want you to focus on your person, right? And so it's like, cool, this is this injury has limited what you can do from a functional perspective. But we're just trying to build back function. So what our physio does is they'll go see them acute injury. Um, he'll go through, awesome, here's what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Here's a list of exercises that I think they need. And what we do is we take that and then we plug it into our training programs. And so they're not in a rehab phase. They're just, just a modified training program from what you were doing, not from what someone else is on. So it's just training, keep training. So there's no point at which it's more specific. Thank <laughs> you. And you're right. Again, it comes back to that psychology mm -hmm. mindset, mindset of it all. Um, yeah. I want to, I, I do want to say on that as well, though, like, obviously as we put function back then you can do more things yeah of course. so yeah so there is a point that yes your training becomes more intensive more complex um you know more game based but that is dependent upon when the function comes back mm -hmm. so there is a point at which you will go back to sport and back to training but it's very much criteria based so we very much see where you where you where you're at what you can do how you're thinking about it how you're feeling about it and then then we move from there so there's no set set point like the, from a programming perspective and from a training perspective, what I'm trying to, let's say ACLs, for example, right? It's a huge amount of fear out there, right? And what we're trying to do is minimize that fear of either sustaining an injury or having a surgery or um, going through conservative management and making sure that people go, it's just another injury. The same fear isn't there with a hamstring pull, right? Or some type of low back pain, right? People aren't like, oh my God, like are you, you know, I want to remove that and we want to remove that. And so it's really interesting. Um, you're asking about what's the programming approach. And I posted um, recently, fairly recently about my, my who are approach to programming, dealing with injuries. And that is that herd, you know, if someone says an injury, they come to you, hear them, understand them, acknowledge what's happened and then go straight to action, right? And that comes through, you know, the conversations that we've said. And it's really interesting. I've, one of our players had a surgery yesterday uh, on an ACL to, to repair that. And she's like, I messaged you straight afterwards. She messaged me. I messaged her in the morning, like, how are you feeling? Yeah, great. Just want to get it done now. And then messaged her. Um, she sent me a photo afterwards, like, in, <laughs> in the dressing gown, like, uh, still, on, still recovering from, you know, the surgery. She was probably, I reckon she would have been about two hours out of surgery. And she's like keen to get back in it. You know, wow. surgeon's super happy with how everything's gone. Um, her partner messaged me and was like, she's trying to walk around. The fuse trying to hold her back. And she's walking around and like, this is great. There's no fear there. Right. And, you know, that's obviously, that's come through a lot of our conversations in the lead up. We knew what was happening. We've been training for it, you know, but I see that and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, it's just the next step. Like she decided that she wanted surgery. Fantastic. What's the next step? You know, not getting caught up in it too much. Yes, there's some anxiety about surgery itself. What's going to happen? How am I feeling? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, cool, how do we get through this? Because this isn't going to define you. You know, you're back in the gym next week. That's what I said to her. I'll see you next week for some of body work. She's like, yep, done. Amazing. You know, um, and so if there is any takeaways from this, for me, it's like reducing the fear and anxiety that surrounds this particular injury that is prevalent in the media that is prevalent in the papers because they get oxygen from it, from a story's perspective, they create fear and people want to read about this. Like, oh my God, so-and-so had this happen to them. And then they get the players and then they like expand on how they're feeling. It's so sad. It's career defining. 
it's not it's not and it, if you have a trusted professionals around you and you are working in a way that actually works with a person you can come back quicker you can return as if you would have you know provided everything is done correctly with that person um to me it's like cool it's happened let's move forward right rather than having this whole anxiety fear about it. there's like groups out there and back in the day i was like cool i joined some of the um what they call like the acl club groups right facebook or social media whatever i'm like cool this is cool i get it but also it just reinstills the fear it reinstills that i've had this happen to me cool we need to acknowledge what's happened and we need to move forward from that so being part of an acl club i think is probably one of the hardest things like for support yes but to define yourself and part of your identity by that mm. i think man there's like so much more you can be defined by it. and moving through that and there's a point where okay it's not just supporting us people are having a whinge about things and you feed into that oh i feel the same oh, i can't do that guess what tell me what you can do let's move forward from that you know so for me i think the takeaway is like we need to reduce the fear and the stigma and the um, anxiety that comes from this stuff this is a, a injury that happens same as concussions same as hamstring pulls same as you know everything that happens in sport we just need to work through it better with our people and we need to work through it um, and help minimize the fear and anxiety that comes from that so we get better outcomes because everyone in that circle ideally wants a player back to their best wants them feeling confident wants them feeling strong and powerful and being able to go yeah cool that happened and now i'm doing this again you know I think that's um a big key for me and how we're trying to work through things as well. And so that would be my take this away is that, you know, minimize the fears and, and minimize the anxieties through the words and actions that we're taking because it's just leading into negativity right now. Yeah, that's so beautifully put as well in terms of, you know, redefining ourselves because you've said it like especially with athletes, there's so many more amazing things that they've done. Why would you want to remember mm-hmm. the an injury mm-hmm. as being defined by an injury? Yeah. And I think it's yeah, so important to reframe it and um, bring the the incredible aspects to the forefront of what an athlete has achieved. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to touch on, is re-injury, oh, reoccurrence yes. of the same injury. Yes. And how you deal with that, especially the mindset of that, because, mm-hmm. you know, thinking that someone or thinking they have done everything they have, you know, possible to get the best outcome and then it happens again, mm-hmm. how do you move through that with someone? Touch wood. I haven't had to do that in 10, 12 years. None of the, wow. none of them. Yeah. None of that I know of. I mean, they never came back, but like of the, I can probably think of seven or eight people off the top of my head with re-injury rates at like 24 months being three X or whatever. Um, I've had none that have sustained same on the same side or the contralateral side, um, which I'm super proud of. <laughs> Um, absolutely that's huge yeah so i'm super proud of that and i don't really talk about that i don't really think about it too much but for me for those who do sustain an injury and how would we work through that um we would seek to understand 
what happened or why things might have happened. Um, did they get tackled wrong or did they hit something in the ground? You know, is is there a cause for it that is not down to them going, I fucked up through my training and through my return, you know, um, because that's that's the hardest part is that if you then take it on board as like this is because something I did or didn't do, that becomes a lot harder. And so going through that process, I'd look back and be like, cool, what was the injury mechanism this time or what do we think it might have been? Um, did we see any deficits in your movement? If it was something like that that we'd work with, you know, we wouldn't clear them if we saw deficits in their movement or in in their um, in asymmetry, you know. So how to work through that? It's yeah, understanding again, you know, understanding what happened, how they're feeling, was there some other factors that might have come in place, and then moving forward through that. It's the same as what I said, you know, hearing what they're feeling, you know, and if they're upset by it or they're like, oh, it is what it is, whatever. You know, you can look at re-injury rates and be like, well, you fit in with the statistics or you might, there's a reason for this as an individual and we tend to go towards the individual side of things. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully we keep our keep our 100% <laughs> success yeah. rate. What, what, if it's not, what if that athlete wasn't with you mm-hmm. for their first round mm-hmm. and then they've come to you mm-hmm. and heard you are amazing? <laughs> can do some things and then... Yeah. And- I don't want to get injured again. Mm-hmm. Then what? And then it happens again. Is yeah, that what so you mean? they've been in, they've injured themselves. Mm-hmm. That process was taken care mm-hmm. of with another professional. It's happened again. Mm-hmm. And now they're seeing you. What's yep. your approach? 100% look at their movement patterns to start with. Um, but also that's for them individually, but also understand what, once again, the lifestyle, training load, what are they doing? Um, what type of surfaces do they play on? What type of shoes do they wear? How do they move in those shoes? How do they move at, at trainings and whatnot? Um, to really try and understand, okay, cool. Well, it's happened a second time and that's why you're here. Why or what factors can we change straight away? You know, the amount of um, conversations and, and, you know, input, we've had to have in regards to changing shoes that are old or getting support, go see a podiatrist or um, modifying a movement pattern or um, I don't want to say fixing, but helping to like a weight shift or something like this has been a lot, you know? So that's where I would start with that. Okay. It's happened again. There's a reason for it now, you know, um, it could just be two freak tackles, but at the end of the day, it's generally, you know, if we're talking non-impact, you know, um, we look at those things for sure. And then look at, you know, I'll take them out to the field. Show me some of these things, show me how you're moving. Um, or ideally, you know, if they've sustained an injury, we'll work through that, but we just try and rebuild from where, where, where they're at, you know, and, and I want to see like what I like to call like <laughs> optimal functions as much, as much as possible. But then as we go through that, that training, um, when we put them under load or when we put them in complex situations where it's decision-making or agility or whatnot, how does that movement look? And ideally if we've got footage from previously or from their previous training, fantastic. We can actually be like side by side, here's where you're at. Um, but it makes, it does make it hard. If it's happened, they've been sorted and it happens again. To me, I want to try and seek to understand why, how, when, where, whatever, like um, I'm one of the guys that we work with, he'd had, two previous and then sustained a third and then came to see us um and worked with him for a couple of years and you know that's been five years since we stopped working with him and he's been fine 
you know that i can see <laughs> um shout out dan um so um so yeah so you know it's like and when he came in i was like cool we can see how you're presenting we can see what you're doing with things so i come i don't think i can provide anything more it comes back to that process of where they're at what's their lifestyle like what's their life like what their stress is like um and how they're moving when we see them you know unless we've got footage of it happening it's hard to be like this is exactly we can only do the best we can mm-hmm. you know um and yeah that's what we that's what we work through amazing i feel like if there's people out there like i need to see josh and more importantly can they work with you if they're not in the same state 100 percent. we 100 percent. uh so best way to get in touch with me is via email you get my out of office but i'll get back to you um so it's josh at mytiesperformancegroup.com.au uh you can follow us on instagram at mytiesperformance group facebook is josh mytiesperformance or at mytiesperformance group m-i-t-i-s-e um that's how to get in touch yeah and email is the best way to get get in touch and providing you know background of what's happened um then we'll basically go through a call or some type of communication and then if you are interstate or even overseas our training platform allows us to sort of work um remotely you know it's not our preferred option because we like to see things in person it just means you have to take a lot more videos and send them through to us <laughs> that's all that is um and I, like we have worked with other professionals interstate as well to be like cool here's some things that we want to see um and it's a it's a synergistic relationship we're not we don't work with combative relationships where you got competing ideas so um yeah more than more than possible to make all that work amazing <laughs> this is wonderful i was when i was thinking of i need to do a um like a strength program episode and of, of course it was you i didn't realize thank you very much for having me again i appreciate it (laughs) hope i brought some insight get in touch (laughs) that was josh smith what are your thoughts on programming around injury i had no idea that firstly that you could strength train in a way that would still allow you to do things around an injury that blows my mind i mean Obviously, I'm very well aware that the body is capable of such extraordinary things. And this for me just proves it, which is why I love exploring these things. So tell me, have you trained through injury? How's your process been? And of course, if you are dealing with something and not sure how to get back into training, then make sure you get in touch with Josh because He's the master of it all. So his contact details will be in the show notes. Let me know how you go. And if you're thinking about changing, maybe what's in your program and how you develop your programs as well. If you love this episode, if you love, that was a little bit of Sean Connery, don't you think? If you love this episode, (laughs) maybe not, maybe that's just a really terrible accent. Anyway, if you did love this episode, I would truly appreciate you sharing this with your friends and leaving a review or subscribing to this channel. It all really helps this channel grow and get in front of more people. And I'm truly grateful for that. Have the best day, week, month and year. Stay awesome. And I'll catch you next time.